Welcome to FedSpeak, brought to you by MNI Market News. I'm Pedro DaCosta, and it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast today, John Weinberg, former research director of the Richmond Fed. As an ex-policy advisor who spent 15 years at the Fed, John used to attend FOMC meetings, so he's just the right person to talk to about this week's Fed decision to raise interest rates by yet another 75 basis points. So thank you so much for coming on FedSpeak, John. Thanks, Pedro. It's It's nice to be on. So, you know, as I mentioned, the Fed delivered a fourth consecutive 75 basis point hike, and it also updated its its guidance in a way that suggests policymakers would like to slow the pace of hikes at some point soon, if only the data allow. So what were your thoughts, your initial thoughts on the decision itself in the press conference? Yeah, no, I thought the rate decision was uh, widely expected and appropriate, given the current situation, given the current behavior of inflation and the level of rates, they need to continue rising. The insertion of the sentence into the uh, the forward guidance paragraph that the, co- the committee would be thinking about and talking about the pace of further increases going forward was interesting. It grabbed a lot of attention. Maybe it grabbed too much attention when the statement was released. Because, you know, there's always things that are true that you don't necessarily say in the FOMC statement. The art of the FOMC statement is choosing among a big set of true things, which ones to say. The current situation is one where the Fed has been raising rates at a historically fast pace, um, certainly, certainly faster than anything we've seen in this century, in the 21st century. And they've come up to a, uh, a level already, which may have from a pre-pandemic point of view, may, may seem like a pretty high level of rates. Pre-pandemic, we were the view of the world was that we were in a prolonged state of low interest rates. And, and that was the problem, that we were close to the zero lower bound. That would constrain the Fed's uh, ability to do things, to provide accommodation against downturns in the economy. And that was the big thing that we were worried about. So from that point of view, rates are pretty high. So certainly, the Fed is thinking about uh, uh, how high and how fast to get there. And uh, after, after getting, you know, the, uh, the, the rates we're at now, we're sort of, think of it, think of it as uh, sort of mid-expansion rates and the expansion between the 2000 recession and the Great Recession. It's certainly a natural time to start to be thinking about these things, these pace. And so, so they put that in. And I think, I think that was... I think that was fine. In the press conference, Powell did a good job of trying to shift the focus from the question of how fast to the question of how high, because ultimately the need in the face of persistent inflation is to achieve a rate stance, a policy stance that is sufficiently restrictive, which is the term that was both in the statement and repeated, I think, several times by Chairman Powell in his press conference. Uh, so I think that was that was a good effort by him. You know, of course, he didn't he didn't give much specific guidance of what how high and sufficiently restrictive means. And, you know, that's sort of certainly understandable because, you know, the committee doesn't want to be tied down too hard to specific numbers because they're going to be driven by the data as it as it as it evolves going forward as, as they always uh, as they always are a number of people including including some former committee members have suggested that in situations like this it would be useful for 
the uh, for the committee to to reference policy rules that historically have done a good job of of, of describing successful successful monetary policy, successful, successful interest rate policy, not as a way of saying this is what's going to determine policy, but simply as a way of, of providing a benchmark. That can be useful. On the other hand, I, I think there's often a tendency and a, and a fear that, and, and maybe a well-founded fear, that the, the market and the public sometimes, if the, if the Fed, anytime the Fed some, says something specific, Maybe it's taken too seriously. The market might start to price it in, right? Yeah, yeah. might might take it might take it as 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 a commitment rather than just uh, a benchmark around which to think about the Fed's uh, ongoing data dependent decision making. So you mentioned the Chair Powell's shift from how fast to how high and perhaps even how long in the press conference, which is an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, he wasn't particularly specific on, on any of the three, really. So let's let's break it down into, into, into the three parts. So first, how fast? So like we, have, we have the December meeting, and he refused to be pegged down as to his own preference for the December meeting, although people are kind of trying to, starting to price in 50 potentially. But of course, between now and then, we get two CPI releases that could change the Fed's mind and could reinforce the need for more aggressive moves. And we also get employment reports that might show continued strength. So do you think on the fast part, do you think we'll have time between now and December to slow to 50? Well, you know, it's possible that we could get uh, data between now and December that that changes the picture in a material way, uh, the inflation picture in particular, but the, or, or, the real, or the real side picture. Uh, for that matter, it seems unlikely to me that uh, the overall picture is going to be all that different in December from what it is now. Does that mean there's not enough new information to justify a slowing of the pace? I, well, I think that's going to be a, a lively discussion in December. And I, I think there's likely to be uh, a, a number of committee members who, uh, who think that even with the picture that we have now, as long as rates continue going up and, and are moving towards a sufficiently restrictive stance, that uh, that they could that they can afford to slow the pace. So I wouldn't be surprised to to see them do that. I, I but I I don't know that we're going to see a materially different overall picture of the world in December. Okay. Well, now focusing on how high. Chair Powell suggested that because inflation, you know, the latest inflation numbers were not as good as expected, or at least, you know, continue to be problematic from their perspective, that means that they have to maybe go go a little bit higher on the terminal rate. How high? But he he was of course not specific, and but he did say higher than the four point six percent median that the Fed estimated in September. People were talking about five percent or a little bit higher. What's your current? view of how higher rates need to go to be sufficiently restrictive? Well, so first of all, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but the, the first thing I would say is, well, rates need to, real rates need to be positive. The real, the real policy rate needs to, be, needs to be positive. It's not now. And so to some extent, that's going to depend on, on the behavior of inflation. Inflation's falling more slowly than, uh, than the committee had hoped, which means by the time they get up to a nominal rate of you know, four and a half or percent or something like that, if inflation hasn't cooled as much as they had perhaps expected, well, then, you know, then the stance of, stance of policy is still not going to be perhaps not restrictive at all and, 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 and maybe not uh, sufficiently restrictive. So that being said, you know, there may be some things that, that haven't changed that much from before the pandemic when we think about 
what the steady state natural real rate is, which is what you kind of want to get above to be restricted in the first place. Before the pandemic, we were thinking that we were in an environment of a low steady state natural real rate. That's driven mainly by low prospects for per capita growth because of relatively slow productivity growth and historically low growth in per capita labor input driven largely by demographic factors. Those things may still be the same. Now, predicting productivity growth is always a fool's game, but, um, and it's, and, you know, it's possible that coming out of the pandemic, you know, the, the, the adaptations that, that businesses had to make to pandemic conditions and, and other shock, large shocks to, to their business processes might result in some newly discovered ways of doing things that might, that might give a little boost to productivity. But, you know, our baseline is probably for continued sort of slow underlying productivity growth and, and, and slow labor force, labor input growth, which means sort of the, 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 the natural real rate, the steady state natural real rate is probably low, maybe something less than 1%. So that means that to get to restrictive, the real funds rate doesn't need to get much positive, but it needs to get positive. Uh, it needs to get positive versus the current rate of inflation. That's the tricky thing, right? For thinking about what the real rate is. The funds rate is an overnight rate. So you want to think about you know short-term expectations for inflation. You want to rely on on the relatively stable long-term measures of long-term expectations that we have, um, and um, and so what that really amounts to is is you know what do we, what do we think people believe trend inflation is right now? You know, it's like instantaneous inflation, and our best guess for that is probably the recent behavior of core inflation, um, so like in the five to six percent yeah. vicinity. Yeah, yeah. So there's two paths to look at. The the rate is going up if we get start to get some easing on uh, inflation in a way that looks like not just you know the the, the volatile movements of, of food and energy, but you know that, that looks looks like it's something that might translate into into uh, the the sort of instantaneous trend inflation moving down to what we hope the long term trend will be. Then you know one's going up, one's going down, and and uh, this is this is there was a lot of discussion about this in the press conference about do we need to see the policy rate above the inflation rate. Chairman Powell sort of hedged his answer on that a little bit. I kind of think the answer is yes to that. Yes. I mean, so what in, in numerical terms, do you think five, five and a half is a, like a, a good current snapshot view of what, what peak rates are likely to be? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, if inflation stays where it is, um, unless, unless inflation starts coming down and inflation coming down, whatever easing of inflation we, we're, we're getting right now, if we're getting any, it's hard to say that that's coming from monetary policy because because monetary policy hasn't really hasn't really achieved uh, I think a, a meaningfully restrictive stance yet um, and so you know there may be some there may be some some uh, waning of supply shock impetus that that we got to inflation and, and this is this is what this is what you know a year ago. Uh, some people were hoping would just that that waning would just bring inflation all the way back down. And, um, it, it's looking less likely that that will happen. We'll need the additional force of, of of some restrictive monetary policy to do that. So that brings us to the third leg of Chair Powell's policy stool, which is for how long do you stay at the peak rate? 
the, how long that pause, the eventual pause will be. And so one of the things that's, two things seem to spook markets. One is that it, he said it's very premature to think about a pause, which means that, you know, we're a ways away from terminal. And two, trying to convey to markets that they should price out whatever easing they have priced in for next year. Uh, how long is your expectation of for how long they'll need to keep rates at the uh, peak level? Well, that's that's a tricky question because, you know, you know, Chairman Powell talks about having policy at a restrictive stance long enough so that there's, he called it, some extended period of below trend growth. How long that is, I'm not sure I could put a, a, a number of months or quarters on that. But that's a version of a soft landing that, that's being described there. Policy gets restrictive and it makes growth go below trend, but doesn't cause a recession. Now, if we actually get what looks like recessionary forces emerging in the real economy, whether it's caused by monetary policy or some other shock, then the problem gets a lot trickier because the committee's natural tendency is going to want to provide accommodation in the face of significantly rising unemployment. And if inflation hasn't fallen you know, sufficiently by then, then you know, we could get into sort of a, sort of a ratchet problem, which, uh, which you know, obviously everyone wants to avoid. Well, so let's get into that a little bit because Chair Powell admitted a corollary of having a higher terminal rate is basically a narrow window for a soft landing. He seemed pretty glum about a soft landing when asked about it toward the end of the press conference. What is your expectation for whether we're not whether or not we're going to have a recession and for how high unemployment needs to get in order to get this inflation problem under control? So I'm not sure I, I think of it quite that way. I don't necessarily think of it strictly in terms of what's the what's the Phillips curve trade-off between unemployment and inflation. I do think that a restrictive monetary policy stance while bringing down inflationary forces also weighs on real activity, but how much it does so and whether or not it causes a recession or a slowing of growth to some below trend rate, I'm not entirely sure about. That being said, um, as, as I said earlier, we probably think we still live in a world of low trend growth. So the, the space between trend growth and contraction is narrower than it maybe has been historically. I don't think we are necessarily in for a particularly severe recession. Um, I think that even, even if uh, even if monetary policy gets restricted enough to to cause some actual contraction or to contribute to some actual contraction in the economy. I think the economy is sort of positioned to weather a policy shock like that and, and, and perhaps other typical real shocks. Household uh, finances are in reasonably good condition. There's, there's still some fiscal impetus in the pipeline and all these things should should mitigate, I would think, the, the effects of any uh, of any recessionary uh, shock that hits the economy. So, uh, so, so I think if there is a recession in the next couple of years, it could be mild. While also still, you know, doing, you know, while also still accommodating the the, the continued fall of inflation. All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. That was John Weinberg, former research director for the Richmond Fed.